Mm -hmm. Hi, everybody. I'm Wendy Murdoch, and this is Webinars with Wendy. I've been doing a series of webinars now for, what, a year and a half, easy. <laughs> um, and tonight, my guest is Dr. Joyce Harmon. She's returning for yet another fantastic webinar. And by the way, just so that you know, I have created a Patreon account. It's Murdoch Method on Patreon. And if you would like to support the webinars, there's a uh, a way that you can do that now on Patreon, or you can go and subscribe and see all the articles that I've written for the past 30 years. Um, I've been posting to a week and I've got enough out there for a year. So check out Patreon. I can, um, and um, if you like what you hear in the webinars, it's great to have you support it. All right. So Joyce, just do a brief intro for those people who may not have met you before. Um, I've, I have had a holistic equine practice since 1990 in Virginia. And uh, the last, oh, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years have been devoted to Lyme disease, laminitis, and all kinds of uh, holistic health issues. Those two are probably the most common things that I see, but um, trying what I'm trying to do is help people find the healthiest ways to keep their horses, keep their horses healthy and keep them out of um, needing a whole lot of veterinary care. And you've been doing this for 30 years. 31. 31. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. And Joyce is retiring in a month. So if you're just tuning in, she's retiring in a month. So I'm sure we'll be able to get her back for webinars, but uh, she's, she's looking and at greener pastures. <laughs> yes. And I, what I, one thing I am going to do for everybody is to create courses and more content, which is never going to happen if I keep working. So I have, I have some big plans for ways to share information. So look, look for that in the future. Awesome. All right. Tonight, our topic is water. So I hope everybody has their glass of water. Ooh, I've got mine. I've got <laughs> mine. And water is one of those things that is incredibly important, but we don't think about it. And it actually is taken in by horses and probably humans. I haven't looked up the data um, in a larger quantity than anything else by weight. So the quality of water, what's in it is actually really, really important to nutrition, to health. Um, and the key to health is water. You can live for a long time without food. And an animal can live for a long time without food. You look at some of these rescue cases and things like that that haven't been fed in months or haven't been fed very much. You look at, at starvation around the world. It can go on for months and years. You take away water and you have days until death. So water is absolutely critical. So what we're gonna talk about tonight is going to be what you need to look at in water. Why, why would you even need to look at water? 
And so what I hope, I apologize for a little bit of the background noise. I just finished feeding critters and they rearrange all kinds <laughs> I'm of- laughing because I know what the sounds are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and actually, if I do not produce a chew toy for the young dog, she will probably climb into this video thing. So I'm going to step aside for one second and uh, be right back. Yep. No problem. So, um, so while Joyce is stepping aside, if you don't have a glass of water with you, time to go grab one now. Um, and she'll be right back and we'll get on with that. You know, like what are, I think what we are is 98% water. I think that's what our body is. Uh, if anybody knows that fact, you can pop it in the chat there. And um, she'll be right back. Okay, now we will have peace and quiet, <laughs> hopefully. So, um, so with water, what we have to think about is that um, horses are eating two to three times as much water as they do food by weight. That's a lot. So anything that we have in water that is out of balance or is toxic is being consumed at a high level. So many people live in areas where say the iron is high in the water or the sulfur is high in the water or manganese is high around here very commonly, but it's different all over the world. We also have a ton of toxins that are in the water. Um, you, if you look at the news all around the world, water quality is, is suspect. Um, and even well water and spring water far away from cities. Um, you can no longer drink mountain water up in the Rockies without significant filtration because of contaminants and uh, um, parasites. And so we can have a well that's two or 300, 500 feet deep, and we can be getting um, toxins from fracking, say, from the, the, the contaminants that are put into the, um, into the groundwater through processes like fracking. And you say to yourself, well, I don't live anywhere near places where there's fracking. Well, your aquifer that goes underneath your um, underneath your property could start 500 miles away from where you actually live. And so we don't think about that. We just think that water comes out of the well from someplace right underneath us. And that is not true. If you start to look at, at hydrology, which is the study of, of how the water flows. And you look at, um, you start learning about geology, which is where they, they look at all the different layers of stone and, and soil and all the kind of stuff that goes underground. You start seeing where, what, how water travels. So you could have a well and a neighbor five miles away could have a well on totally different aquifer. 
So just because somebody in your neighborhood has good water doesn't mean that your water is good if you're on a well. And then all you have to do is, is open up the newspaper or magazines, news magazines to read about water contamination, which is occurring all over the, um, all over the world, all over the country. And we have, um, we very often, I mean, how many of you have water filtration systems in your house? And then how many of you have water, those same water filtration systems out in your barn, especially if you have a different well, um, as some people do, or the same well, but you have a water filtration system in your house, but not in your barn. Part of that is because the volume of water that we consume in a barn, depending on how many horses are present, but it's a lot of water to process through a water filtration system. And so your water filtration systems get very expensive. They don't have to be, but they can be. And so if you happen to ask your water filtration specialist about installing it in your barn and had heart failure at the cost of the installation, you probably said, well, it's, you know, it's not really going to be a big deal. Well, it might be, and uh, it's certainly worth looking at. But there are many, many ways, very simple ways, even just a, a charcoal filter. Um, the RV companies have these portable filters for RVs that you can put into a barn system. If you're at a boarding barn, you may not have any choices. Um, they may not be able to say a 20 stall barn or a 30 stall barn, they may not have any interest, but they also may not be able to put in a filtration system. So you don't necessarily have a whole lot of choices there. And I have certainly seen um, on maybe a couple of barns, one barn in particular that I remember that it was probably a 30 or 40 horse stall barn and the sign over the spigot for the horses said not potable water. In other words, don't drink it as a human. But it was the only water source for 30 or 40 horses. So, um, and, and I think it was actually probably city water in that location. So we know if you look at at what's being written about city water, how many people are drinking bottled water right now because they don't wanna drink their city water. And all the contaminants that are in the city water, well, guess what? We have, we have drugs that are flushed down toilets. We used to think that was a great way to get rid of drugs, flush it down the toilet. It's the worst way to get rid of drugs because it gets into our water and our water supply right now has an incredible amount of diluted mixed drugs. So that's going into our horses. And some of those are actually in some of our, our larger waterways. It's not just confined to city water. Some of those have been discovered in country water and in aquifers. It's hard to escape it. 
and water contamination, they, they have found micro traces of plastics up in the Rocky Mountains that have been broken down. Plastic doesn't totally break down, but it does break down into these micro, almost molecular sized particles. And those get carried on the air currents. So we have, we have toxins coming from the air, we have toxins coming from the ground. We have runoff from our neighbors running across our pastures. So if you are downhill from somebody, then when it rains, water flows downhill. And uh, so it's not uncommon to have contaminated pasture water, particularly when you are downhill from farmland where they're using a lot of fertilizers, pesticides, whatever, and when they're using sludge. So what is sludge? Sludge is basically waste from the big cities that they need to get rid of. And it's free as fertilizer. So they take from a city processing plant, city sewage plant, basically, it is sewage, and they call it biosolids because that's a much nicer name. And they give it to the farmers to spread on their fields for free. So it becomes, it, it is high in nitrogen because guess what? Your poop is high in nitrogen. And that makes healthy looking plants. But what all goes down the drain in a city? Everything from all the chemicals that are used for cleaning to all of the, um, to the drugs, to the, the stuff the kids don't drop down the sink to if somebody has a photo processing lab in their house, that goes down. And uh, though there's much less of that happening now, it's a tremendous amount of toxins that get dumped down the drain just in everyday life. So those all end up processed in the sewage and then dumped on the farmer's fields. So if you are downhill from a farmer that is sludging their fields, A, you may know it because you'll smell it, and B, you will have heavy metal contamination in your pastures. And if you have groundwater, like a, a stream or something like that, that the horses drink out of, then you're going to have direct contamination for those horses. So all of that's a little bit scary, right? Depressing. <laughs> Depressing. <laughs> we, <laughs> we haven't even talked about acid rain. <laughs> right? That's another source of pollution. And we happen to live right next to Shenandoah National Park, which I don't know if it still holds the record, but it for many, many years, it held the record for National Park with the most acid rain. And that was coming off of the coal-fired power plants from the Ohio Valley. And air moves eastward. So it just moved eastward and hit the mountains and dumped its stuff. So at, some at one point, the pH, I think, was an, a, a neutral pH is about 7. Um, the pH in the park, I think, at one point was under 3, like 2.9 or 2.7. 
very acidic. Um, and that's, I mean, it's, it's creating problems for wildlife and for sensitive creatures like salamanders and frogs and things like that. But all of that mountain water ends up running through our streams all the way down from the mountains to the ocean. So we encounter it along the way. And unless you are at the headwaters, you are getting somebody else's water, somebody else's crud that they have dumped into, this, into the water. So what to do about things like this? Some of it is out of our control. Some of it is doing some research for the, the type of filtration that you might use in your water is very much dependent on what is in your water. So you wanna do your basic water quality testing, which will test for minerals. It will test for bacteria. And if you suspect that there, is, that there are other contaminants, you can test for those. It's a, there's, there's hundreds if not thousands of potential contaminants in water. You're not gonna be able to test for every one of them unless you have an unlimited bank account because some of the, the um, chemical testing gets very expensive. But let's say, let's say you're bought a farm or you're downstream from an orchard. Orchards have used, especially if it's a 20, 30 or 40 year old orchard, a lot of those chemicals were used um, back in the, in the 60s and 70s and 80s, we had all those really nasty chemicals that are, some, many of them are still in the soil. So then you can go and check for specific contaminants if you're concerned about that. Then you can start looking into how, how you could filter those out. And, and that's a whole science unto itself and we're not gonna get into any details that's an area I'm far from an expert in, but there's lots of people who are, who are experts. And you don't necessarily want the expert that is the Culligan man that's only gonna sell you a Culligan water and I'm just picking on them, but because they're very well known, but you want to do your research and figure out what is, what are, what are the, most portable, the least expensive things that you can do for your particular situation. So really common thing is to have really high iron in the water. Well, iron, iron is a, it's an oxidant. Remember iron rusts? We have things made out of iron, they rust. So, if you think about an oxidant, it's essentially like rusting of the body. We are always taking antioxidants in order to make ourselves healthier, right? That's the, you know, every, everything you turn to about health is take antioxidants. So iron is an oxidant in the body. It is a required nutrient, but as a mineral, it interacts with all the other minerals. So mineral balance becomes something that we can try to do, but if we don't take what's going in through the water or through their hay or through the soil and the grasses and the plants and the weeds, 
we don't know exactly what our horses are getting. So sometimes we try to balance our ration based on X number of milligrams of iron and X number of milligrams of magnesium and manganese and selenium and all of those kind of things. And out in the pasture, we might have we might have heavy metals that are binding up some of those um, those minerals. We might have um, we might have an excessive level of iron in our water, but we're adding because we want five milligrams of iron in the food. We actually add it, or we're trying to eliminate or decrease the amount of iron we have in our food, which is more commonly done. And you forget that your horse is eating X number of milligrams of iron with every sip of water he takes. And so your, your careful balancing goes right out the window as soon as they take their first drink of water. So I think when we look at, at balancing nutrients, we have to be a little bit careful if we have not paid any attention to what's in the water. Every... If, if you take a sphere, a perfectly round sphere, and you stick, you stick little things on the surface with mineral names, sulfur, calcium, phosphorus, magnesium, manganese, selenium, you name it, plus all the trace minerals, even things like arsenic, ar arsenic is a trace mineral. We only need tiny, 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 tiny bits of it, but it is a trace nutrient. So we take all of those, and if we start to draw an interaction list but, or an interaction ball between each mineral, so we have iron, it's going to interact with calcium in a certain way. We have zinc, it's going to interact with calcium. We have sulfur, it's going to have an interaction with calcium. But then we also have a... a um, we also have an interaction with all the, each, each mineral has multiple, multiple interactions. So we could take this sphere and literally fill it with the interactions that we know about today. Another 10 years of studying nutrition and, and, and the function and the biochemistry of the body, we, that sphere will become so solid, you can't even tell what's going where. That's how complex the body is. So sometimes we have to realize that we cannot balance everything perfectly, especially with horses who are gonna go out and eat weeds. Some weeds are really high in minerals. Some weeds are actually suck minerals or toxins out of the soil. Um, weeds have all kinds of interesting jobs, but we have to look at water if we are going to even come close to really truly balancing our horse's mineral needs. It doesn't mean that we should just throw up our hands and say, oh, we just can't do any of this. Kind <laughs> of how it feels right now. <laughs> <laughs> what it just means is that that it's not worth losing sleep over do I have five things of zinc or do I have 50 milligrams of zinc or do I have, you know, two milligrams of iron or 
two micrograms of selenium, the next batch of hay we get in might have 10 micrograms of selenium in it because we got it from somewhere out west and we live here in the east where everything's selenium deficient. So the horse the, and the horse's body and our bodies are way more resilient than, than absolutely requiring you know, 18 milligrams of something or 18.3 milligrams of something. It can handle some disparities. So you don't have to make yourself so crazy. Sometimes it's the easiest. I use a lot of Rush Creek mineral free choice because there's no salt in it and the horses can just eat it. And it has trace minerals and it's got major minerals and the horses eat as much as they want or as little as they want. And they are actually better sometimes at regulating their mineral intake than we are. And sometimes they're better at detoxifying our themselves than we are to make them do it. My cat is removing, trying to remove my... Um, I wonder what was going on there. Yeah, my pad from underneath the computer, which ah. happens to actually be a placemat. So <laughs> I just gave it to him. Okay. So then we will not be moving like we're so, drunk. You know what? You bring up this point about minerals and, you know, we're, we're told we should take a multivitamin and it has to have the minerals in it that we need. You know, we're not getting it from our food. There's this whole, what am I trying to say? There's this whole thing between taking supplements and eating food that's going to provide things, but then the food sources don't necessarily, aren't necessarily containing what they used to contain to provide us. So it gets to be this whole thing about, how much do you supplement? You know, cause I know, you know, like a lot of people want to supplement their horses with, with minerals. Um, mm -hmm. And how much do you, how do you test? How do you, how do you figure this thing out? Sounds complicated. Sometimes you just want to yeah. beat your head against <laughs> the wall. <laughs> it is complicated. And, and it is, there is no one perfect answer either. We can get some help from some hair analysis. Um, I do um, use DePaulo's um, equine. You can probably put that link up, Wendy. Yeah, I'll pull um, it up. Equine Concepts or whatever he calls his website. Um, and he does a really nice hair analysis and can actually put together a mineral and, and vitamin we're not looking at vitamins in the hair, but look at, look at minerals and detoxification using some of his supplementation. And that is one way to, to put a little bit of numbers on it, but it still is helpful to know what we are get, giving them in their water. And we're not going to be able to necessarily do a hay analysis for every lot of hay that comes in and look at every mineral and everything that the horses are eating. And we certainly are not looking at what they're eating in the pasture. And if you have a big pasture with a lot of diversity, you're getting a lot of good nutrients from those plants. If the soil is reasonable quality. And I would have to say that in many of our horse pastures that have been used for 10, 20, 30 years, we probably have pretty poor soil quality because the horses have compacted it down. 
Back in the old days, we might have sprayed all the weeds out of it because we thought we wanted grass and we found out the grass was a bad deal and now we're letting it grow up in weeds again. Um, but we need, to, um, we need to think about all of those aspects to it. So if you have super high iron in your water and you do a hair analysis, it's worth mentioning that we have really high iron in the water so that you know that any formulation say that is put together based on that hair analysis will be taking into consideration the water that's, that is going into the horse. So you also, can we talk about hair analysis for a second? Cause I, I've been trying to get Dr. Mm -hmm. Fellow, but I have not succeeded. <laughs> Um, mm -hmm. hair analysis is getting very busy. Yeah. It's going to show us, um, the, what, what is the time frame it reflects? Like if you do a hair analysis, is it reflecting the past two weeks? Your, your reflects and, and even longer with your, you're reflecting the last sort of three to six months, but in many cases, especially with your heavy metals that tend to get into the body and stay there, you are looking to a certain degree at lifetime. So if you have something like arsenic um, at high levels, and arsenic was used in um, for many, many years in our preserved wood that guess what? We made barns out of. What do horses do to barn wood? They eat it. Yeah. So um, if you have a barn that happens to be made of say oak, that's fine. You have a barn that's made out of pine, the horses have probably chewed it up. And so you end up getting this treated wood and the horses chew on that. So a lot of horses come back with high levels of arsenic because we're looking at, at what they've eaten in their lifetime chewing on wood and potentially getting other sources of it from, from fertilizers or, or um, herbicides. But um, you will see that in the hair because that is become permanent part of their body. So arsenic, mercury, cadmium are all nutrients. And well, they are nutrients, mercury, not so much. Arsenic, tiny, tiny trace amounts is normal. And there are normal values for almost everything. Lead is one of the things that, and a lot of horses ate lead painted barns. Mm, yeah. Back in the day, there's plenty of those old barns around that were painted with lead. And even if they've been painted over with modern paints, when a horse chews through a painted surface, they eat all of the paint. Right. They yeah. don't just stop at the top layer. So, um, so lead is, is one of those things that you really don't have a decent tolerance level for. You don't want any of it in their body. Um, and, and yet they can have exposure to it. And lead is, as people, lead has been in the news a lot because of the issues in Flint, Michigan, and in, in a lot of other water supplies, actually. And, and people who have leaded old barns with lead in their pipes, lead solder. Right. And there are old barns that have lead pipes themselves. 
and old houses. So you can have sources of lead and that lead, be, that lead goes into your body and stays there. So it's gonna show up in the hair. Once you start to pull using nutrients and compounds that will grab the lead in your body and pull it into either the stool or the urine or the sweat. Those are the main ways that we get um, toxins out of the body. That's the main ways we eliminate. It has to go out in the poop. It's got to come out in the um, urine. I have company. Um, say hi. <laughs> and uh, so it, you will actually sometimes see a little bit of an increase in some of these mineral values during the um, detoxification process because you're actually mobilizing it out of the tissue. So, so you're looking at lifetime plus the last four to six months, three to six months. And we, we sometimes tend to look, we hope that hair will tell us everything. We would like blood to tell us things as well, but a lot of times the blood will not tell us a whole lot because the body tries to keep the blood, say calcium, at a certain level. If you get too much calcium in your blood, your heart's gonna go kind of crazy and you might die. If you have too little calcium in your blood, your heart's gonna go crazy in a different way and you're probably gonna die. Um, if you have too much potassium, the same kind of thing. I mean, the body has to keep those things in the blood at a very specific level. So if your calcium is getting low, it's gonna take it out of the bones to build it back up. And if, you're, if your calcium is too high, it's gonna to try to eliminate it, but it may or may not be able to. Um, and you don't usually see really high cal blood calciums unless you have a tumor or something like that, that the body can't bite it off. Basically, the body's going to try and keep it at this level. And that's where hair is more useful because it, many minerals we can't measure in the blood at all where we can measure them in the hair. So in other words, the, the blood has to stay at a certain consistent, consist of a certain amount of stuff in a very specific proportion. And so what the body's gonna do if there's excess of things is gonna dump it off into the tissues to keep the blood okay. Yes, dump it off into the tissues. If it can, it can dump it out in the pee or the poop. Right. Or the sweat. Well, Those and that's- all ways to eliminate. You know, in talking about hair analysis and that sort of thing, as you know, um, Al, my horse, Al, which they don't know, um, was very high in lead, mercury and uh, cadmium, like off the charts high a year ago when I haven't retested him yet. But during his detox process this summer, about six months into it, he his coat looked like a giraffe. He it was modeled with different color hair in patches, which really look like a draft. Um, and so that probably is stuff coming out in his sweat that affected his coat. Mm -hmm. Yep. And through his skin, I mean, skin itself, we, we see the sweat, but skin itself, I mean, we have pores, we are shedding our 
layers of skin constantly. We have oils that are coming out constantly and the oils come from our body out into the hair, onto the hair shaft because the hair shaft itself is not producing oils. So we have many ways in that skin of detoxic, detoxifying. We can transfer gases across the skin um, and eliminate that way. So the coat, the coat tends to show a lot of things that are going on in the body. And a lot of horses will bleach out easily towards in the middle or towards the end of their, um, their coat, like summertime they're around here, they're usually shedding their summer coat in August. And so, you know, June and July, the coat is pretty old at that point and the sun is out and they bleach easily. But a horse that's really healthy inside very often can be outside in the sun all day long and they don't bleach out. So the bleaching out of the coat, the getting coppery looking is often a sign that they are not as healthy on the inside as you might like them to be. The coat can be a really interesting reflection. I mean, you can see a change in the coat. Like if a horse comes in with a fever one day, their coat will look dull. And you know, you say, well, how can that happen overnight? But it does. And then you come out a few days later after treating the fever and you'll see that the coat is starting to get a shine back to it again. It's a very dynamic um, structure. So with using, and you, you don't have to use a hair analysis in order to do a decent job of providing your horses with good nutrition. Doing a hair analysis allows you to tailor things a little bit. It allows you to, when you're stuck and you're not making progress that you would think you should, a lot of times you find out it's because there are, there are either toxic levels or imbalances that will show up. And um, there are things like selenium that you can do a blood test for there's a little bit of controversy as to how exactly accurate that is. Selenium is not one of the minerals that has to be absolutely perfect in the blood in order for the heart and important things to function. But there's a lot of selenium stored in muscle tissue and there's a lot of selenium stored out of sight of the blood. And so sometimes you have to be a little bit careful with your interpretation because blood numbers are not the gospel for all the tissue. And there are some horses that seem to do really well running with a selenium level that's just a little bit higher than the sort of quote unquote normal. Other times you find horses that are doing great and they have fairly low blood selenium levels and yet they are showing absolutely no outward symptoms at all of selenium deficiencies. So. Um, so as you're kind of looking at things to, at ways to balance, the hair is one thing. There's a, a nutrient or a, a food balancing program called Feed XL. That's X is in X and L is in life. Um, and that is an interesting if you're into playing with things on the computer, they have acquired 
the analyses of many, many, many supplements that are on the market. So you can plug in a certain supplement and it will automatically populate two milligrams of selenium, you know, one gram of magnesium or whatever from that supplement. So that allows you to do some playing around, making some changes, learning about what it is that you're feeding your horses. And there you can put in your water. If you have water that has high or really low levels of certain things. So, so is it a good idea to do a water analysis given that water is such a big part of what they consume doing a water analysis and what it would is. one, what would, I mean, because when we've done water analysis, what I know is that you can do a basic one or you can do a really, like what are the key things if you do a water analysis that you really want to look for? If you do, if you start out with your basic water analysis, you're going to get your main minerals that have a tendency to be high in water. You're going to get your bacterial count. You're going to get your acidity level. Um, and you're going to have a really good starting point for what you need to do. And most local areas have access to um, sometimes even free testing. And you can go through your county extension agent. Um, I know a lot of the county extension agent offices have been consolidated. It used to be that every county just about in the country had a county extension agent. And uh, sometimes now you have to go a little farther afield. You can purchase water testing kits over the internet, all different kinds, and test your own water. And some of those, I. I would do a little bit of research. I don't have a particular one to recommend, but, um, and it's going to vary from part of the country to part of the country. So your local area, you may live in an area where there's normally a whole lot of sulfur in the water. You may live in another area that never has sulfur in the water. And so your local water testing isn't going to necessarily include that because it's just not something that can occur in that area. So, so um, if one had access to a local extension agent, that's the agricultural extension agent, they could probably, they would probably already know what typically your water is high or low in, like what your water is locally yes, to yes. some degree. I mean, obviously if you have, um, you know, your own well and you're on a different soil type, it might not be as accurate, but that's really a good place to start is with your local county extension agent because they yeah. would know your air. They'd also know your soil type. Yes, yes. And many of them have been doing water analyses for farms in your local area for years. And they have the information and they kind of know what's, what's what or what, what area of the county you're in and what your, what your issues are likely to be. They may ask you how deep your well is and when you take, and they'll tell you how to take the water analysis, and it's always good to take it from different taps. And um, so you can take your, your water from, say, your barn, 
but your water in the house, if it, there's a filtration system on it, will be different. So don't just run the water out of your kitchen sink and then assume that that's what's in your barn. Right. If you have different wells, you have to do different wells. Um, if you are suspicious that there are that there's old leaded piping, then you want to take a separate sample from a a water source, a hydrant or a or a spigot at the end of where you suspect there might be a problem and and keep that separate. And the, your basic water sample testing is not expensive. It gets expensive when you get into specifics, when you get into toxins, when you get into um, herbicide, pesticide types of things. And again, your county extension agent can very often, they've already tested a lot of water in the county. They may know, yeah, you're in that part of the county. You are likely to have X, Y, and Z. Right. Um, We've seen a lot of that in your area. So, so county extension agent, dual water sample, check with him what is typical in your area. Is there a way to test the pipes other than to doing a water sample to test if your pipes are lead pipes? I mean, is there a, that, that's there a- are, you, you can probably get some quick tests if you look on the internet that would be a scan for lead in your water. And I don't know this for a fact and I don't know how good they are, but if I came up with a positive one off of a sort of cheap internet test, I would take that to, to a, a company that does water analysis for sure and right. find out what you really have. Use that Yeah, as because I'm just thinking, you know, if sometimes there's exposed pipes that you can see and you can do a quick test and find out mm -hmm. if there is lead or there isn't lead. So that's, that's actually one that really needs to be eliminated from the mm -hmm. water source. Yeah. In whatever way you can. Um, yeah. And then like when you're talking about runoff and if it's running into your streams, is there a way to, do you test the soil for that to see what's in the soil that's going to be running off into your water supply or how do you handle that? You can, one way to do it would be to test, to take some water from some of, if you have standing water on your property after a rainstorm. So if you're looking for your neighbor's stuff washing down into yours um, after a rainstorm, when it has just washed down into your property, um, take it out of the streams that are on your property when you've got some flow from the neighbors. Um, and you, you, can, you can get into soil testing if you want to get into stuff like that. There's a magazine called Acres USA. Like That's still Acre, out there. Still out there. <laughs> I think they finally digitized some of it. Yeah, that's um, But there are a lot of companies who do some very holistic soil testing not just the normal, oh, you need to add, uh, you know, you need to add more nitrogen to your soil type of, that's a county extension soil testing that is not really all that helpful um, because they're just looking to see how much fertilizer they need to put on. So you can find out if your soil needs lime or something, but you're not going to find out about toxins. But there are people. A company called Equa Equa 
Analytical. Equine Analytical does mainly hay testing. Oh, okay. Um, and they do. They are the they are the go to place for hay testing. I don't think they do. Um, water testing. They're basically hay and pasture. I don't see anything else. On oh, they side. did my water a dairy one. She says. Um, that's dairy one is, and it's O-N-E, dairy one is um, the sister company to Equa Analytical, and they do some dairy, dairy cattle, dairy farm testing, and uh, they might very well do some water testing, and they would be fine. I mean, it's a great lab. Yeah, they're the ones that did the hay testing for us. Yes. And then uh, Diane brought, Diane Scepter brought up the point that you can get like in terms of mineral supplementation, if you're not sure what you've got, there's the, the individual mineral offerings that if you, we, we did that once, we had a stall with about 20 different cups with all the different minerals in it to see what the horses really liked. Um, yes, and um, Advanced Biological Concepts does there, and I've got that on the website, you can, you can put out all the individual minerals and, and that's a lot of fun and it's very useful and it's very interesting because a lot of conventional nutritionists say the animals don't know what they need. But in reality, it's fascinating to see what the animals take over the years. Um, and they do, they do take appropriate things. I have horses, I've fed horses free choice minerals for years and like at coat and, and cattle too. When they go to change their coat at a different season of the year, they're gonna eat extra sulfur. The rest of the year, they're really not interested in sulfur. Sulfur is a big amino or a big um, nutrient for building coat and hair. And it's deficient in a lot of places, but they mainly need the excess or the increased amount when they're growing a new coat. So in the summer and in the winter for their spring coat and in the summer for their winter coat, that's when they need to grow hair and that's when they're more likely to eat it. And you'll see horses go through and take certain minerals when they get sick. The rest of the year, they won't even touch it. I have no interest in it. So they actually are very good about that. They, yeah, they definitely seem to know what they need. And we're, we're not nearly so. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't tend to, to look at my smorgasbord and pick the right choices. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, so, so we've the, got the water supply that we need to test. We've got the mm -hmm. pipes that we want to check. We can mm -hmm. provide our horses with uh, a variety of minerals that they can choose what they need. We can mm -hmm. test our water runoff from our neighbors if we think that's a problem. Mm -hmm. But then what can we do? Say that we have a property and there is runoff from my neighbors and it is getting in my stream, but it's the only source of water I have for my horses when they're out in the field. So then what you do is you work with, with constant detoxification and supplementation that will, that will help detoxify those issues that you are having. 
And, and that's a perfectly valid thing to do. And um, if you know what it is, a lot of times DiPaolo, I think he's got the best kind of mineral detoxification programs that are palatable. You can do a general detox, like a liver detoxification, say with Hilton Herbs, um, Milk Thistle Plus, or there's a whole variety of detoxification type of herbal things out there. But if you have a specific mineral or a specific toxin that you're working on, then the, the research has been done in people as to how to get these things out of your body because people are even more toxic, carrying even more of a toxic load than, um, than the animals are. Partly because we live longer and partly because we live indoors with a lot of toxins around us. And the horses at least, I mean, some of them do live with a lot of toxins around them, but in general, their lifestyle is a little healthier maybe, except the ones that get stuck in the stalls all the time. But they are out eating dirt and grass and more natural things than we often eat. Yeah, yeah, I don't graze that often. <laughs> no, 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 my, my teeth get kind of, they must be worn down because I'm old. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so I, I, I'm going to have Hillary from Hilton Herbs on for a webinar, and we're going to talk about herbs with her, which... Wait. which um, We'll definitely talk about detoxifying herbs yes. Um, yes. because so basically what you're saying then is if, if you can't remove the source, you can keep your horse on a detox program to minimize its effect. Yes, absolutely. And that, and that's a very realistic thing. And I think in reality, that's what many of us are going to have to do because there are so many things in water that we don't have control over. Um, with runoff being a big one, but, but for a lot of us, we're boarding at a barn. We can take care of our own horse by detoxifying it against the barn water if we can't change the water. And you mentioned like putting a charcoal filter on barn on a barn system. Is that, that's not a very complicated system. That's an easy thing. I mean, right. you can get these things that are just, you, you screw one end into the spigot and you screw your hose into the other end and, and charcoal filters will take out a lot. What kind and of things do they remove? I'm not the expert in that. Okay. But it's easy. That's easy enough to look up. And, and that's, that's where the water articles and like consumers reports about every 10 years does a review on water filters and what they do um, and various other magazines and publications will cover water filters and what each type of filter takes out and what its pluses and minuses are. Any water filter is only good if you keep it somewhat clean. Right. Otherwise they get credit up. So charcoal filters, if you have a lot of sediment and a lot of, a lot of wells have quite a bit of sediment that comes out, you, you have to make sure your filters are clean. But um, that's one of the simplest ones that actually does a tremendous amount and it's cheap. And even barns that are not very interested in making changes, if you buy the filter, they're probably happy enough to have it because they don't necessarily even really care, but everybody will benefit. Um, 
So, so that there are ways, there are definitely ways that you can improve your water quality or improve your horse's ability to, to deal with what they've got. One other thing that we probably ought to mention is that, well, there's probably several things. One is flavor. So when water doesn't taste good, like a lot of people know if they take their horse out to a competition that they need to bring their own water because their horses don't like to drink when they're away from home. And if you think about it, water flavor does affect our consumption of water. I mean, how many times do you go to a, especially if you live out in the country on well water and you go into town and have water, a glass of water at the restaurant, and you put it up to your nose, and you're kind of like, oh, man, this, this really smells rough. Um, or it's just different. If you get used to drinking water with sulfur in it, you won't notice the taste. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> if you are not in an area where, it has, where there's a lot of sulfur in the water, you will not want to drink much of that water. Well, mm -hmm. horses can be the same way. So if you move them to a different barn um, where, and water flavor, you can have just the flavor of the water based on the hardness, based on the mineral content. They market lots of water based on, you know, we have the freshest tasting water because we have X, Y, and Z, you know, trace minerals in our water. And so water flavor does affect water intake. And if your horses don't seem to be drinking super well, you may actually want to play around with some of these water flavor. Um, there's water flavor enhancers. A lot of the horse show people will get their horses accustomed to, can't remember a couple of the names of them, but they're basically flavor enhancers. You can sometimes put a little splash of vinegar in because horses, apple cider vinegar, they kind of like that flavor. You don't want to put a bunch of sugar into your water or Kool-Aid or anything like that, but um, making the water so that as, as you have different water in different places that your horses are sort of tasting the same thing. Even if it's a little bit of I, I try not to do the artificial en enhancement, but there are a number that have, um, they're probably maybe mildly salty, maybe mildly sweetened with some stevia. Figure out what it is that makes your horse drink well. And if you need to flavor water, it can be worthwhile. At the same time, when you're, especially if you're first experimenting with that, or if you are inclined to put electrolytes in your water, you always want to have one bucket that's plain hmm. because you don't know for sure in the beginning until you have, until you have tested what your horse likes or doesn't like. And you don't want to stop them from drinking by saying, here, drink this. Yeah. And they're like, no, I'm not going to drink that. And the next thing you know, you have a horse that's dehydrated and colicky. So all, whenever you experiment with making changes, keep one bucket plain. And then add a flavor enhancer. And if they go and drink a whole bucket of flavor enhancer and the, your plain bucket is sitting there, 
that's telling you something. They don't really like that water. And that can be an issue. Um, and water temperature can be an issue. Technically, horses will drink water when you know they'll stick their head through the ice and drink it. There, our horses are far from the wild, shall we say? <laughs> Most of them, many of them, are. Um, if we turned them out, they would not survive because they 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 have instincts, but they have not necessarily, let's say you have a horse raised in the South, he's never drank frozen water. And then you import him and, and bring him up to, um, you take a horse from Florida and then bring him up to New England. He doesn't know what frozen water is. <laughs> that, that hurts his teeth. So suddenly you have a horse that doesn't really want to drink a lot of water in the winter time. And there are definitely horses that drink better when they have warm or not hot water, but water that is 35 to 40 degrees rather than having a skim of ice on top. And that is something that's worth experimenting with if you are having water drinking issues, especially some of the older horses where water intake is especially critical. Or you have horses that have naturally really dry stool and you have horses that don't drink a lot, sometimes heating up the water. And now they do make these plug-in buckets and all sorts of useful water heater things from buckets to, um, to full tank size heaters and all kinds of stuff. There's, you can be as, as uh oh, you froze. Uh, she hasn't coming back. Here. Uh oh. You. Oh, you you're back. You froze for a bit. Am I back? Yeah. Okay. Um. If a lot of people will just take and like an evening check, take a a tea kettle of hot water and put it in the water bucket and just warm up the water that is in the bucket. And that's a perfectly valid, totally inexpensive way to offer some warm water. And there are many people that report that when they do that, the horses take a big, long drink. So I think that it's something worth considering and, and not especially if you're having health issues. It's a simple thing and uh, it can make a difference. If your horses are drinking well and they're drinking water with a nice skim on top of it, or they're born and raised in New England, they know about, <laughs> or in Canada, or they know about cold water and they're probably not gonna need that. So, um, those are some of the big concerns. Um, the horse's water consumption, just to give you some numbers. So an average horse would drink about a gallon of water per 100 pounds of body weight. So an 1,100 pound horse 
might be drinking as 11 gallons of water per day in normal conditions. So that's like two five gallon buckets over the course of 24 hours. Um, and many horses drink more than that. Some horses drink less and they are fine. But some horses just don't have, seem to have as high a need. But those horses that are drinking a lot less than that are the ones that are potentially more at risk if they don't like the flavor or the water's too cold. They don't have a lot of spare space, if you will, to dry up more. So if, if we miss a day's worth of drinking full amounts of water or a normal horse only drinks because you're say shipping them somewhere and they don't drink during the whole time you're transporting them, they're still gonna be fine because they're gonna drink when they arrive at their new destination. But if you have a horse that's only drinking eight gallons a day and they go down to five, you're likely to get an impaction colic and have some issues. That amount though is going to go up in heat and humidity and workload. So your, your working cattle horse that's out on the farm all day in hot weather, your event horses, your um, roping horses that are working, you know, a, a good long day, your show horses that are just cantering around the ring, probably they're going to increase their water intake but they're not going, or short competition, like a barrel race, they're not going to increase their water intake the same amount as a horse that's working hard for two or three hours in a day. But you can, you can take that, that same 11 gallons, 10 or 11 gallons of water for an average horse and triple that to 30 gallons for a really hard working horse in hot weather. And that becomes quite critical because if they only have access to 11 or even 15 gallons and they need 30, they can dehydrate quickly or end up with an impaction type colic. So looking at it, is looking at stool and the amount of moisture in stool a good indicator that your horse is getting enough water? It's a, it's a helpful indicator. It isn't the absolute gospel because we do have horses that tend to run loose because maybe their guts aren't as healthy as they could be. Um, but it's the really, it's the change from normal. A normal, happy, healthy stool should be, should have a nice shine to it. It should have, it should look like there's moisture in it. And it will be drier when they're on 100% hay in the winter, and it will be soupy when that fresh spring grass comes up that's mostly water. But that sort of also gives you an indication that fresh spring grass with all its extra water does make them soft. And so the balance between the dryness of the winter and a healthy horse still should have it shininess to the surface of the stool and it shouldn't be dry and crumbly. You should break it apart if you if you look at it when it's fresh and it should you know it should break apart and look wet through. Right. Um, 
so the key is to learn what your horse's normal is and pay a lot of attention to when it changes. So if you see your horse's stool starting to get dry and they're still on grass, you have to kind of go, okay, what's happening here? You know, maybe, maybe there's algae growing in the water trough and they really don't want to drink it anymore. With some of these water troughs, maybe a frog has fallen in and died. Um, you know, you, there's all kinds of things that can get into a water trough. Right. And you might not realize it. And so you, you, if you're paying attention to the stool, you go, oh, we might have a problem here. And you go out and check your water tubs. And they might be drinking less because there's some contaminant in the water. Or your water might not be working and somebody with big feet comes along and bangs up and breaks it. Uh, yes. <laughs> Al is good at that. We don't have to worry about knowing whether the water is frozen or not. No, he will always tell us. Yep. But if you were not there and paying attention to that, the water freezes and your horse's stool starts to look dry, then you need to be going out and checking your water troughs or you don't have a horse that's as expressive as Al is. <laughs> Some of them have to stand out there and they'll look at it. You right. know, it's, oh, my water's frozen. <laughs> you know, Al's like, nah, my water's frozen. <laughs> and I can hear them all the way down here at my house. <laughs> yeah, we have automatic waterers like the cattle waterers and with the ball. So when it's not working, Al bangs on it and tells us. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but that's, that's a really good thing as we look at winter because water can freeze and they can, if they miss, if they would normally say drink after dinner and that water is frozen solid because it's zero degrees outside, they don't get their after dinner drink, then they're already down. They might not need to drink again until morning, but they've missed that critical drink. Right. For the night. So any other questions? Questions about water? Let's see if anybody's got any questions. So if you have any questions for Joyce, just pop it in the chat there. Um, and then, you know, just as an aside, I remember you commenting about drinking water and I've been drinking a, like a 16 ounce glass of water at night. And then when I get up in the morning every day, um, because we need water too. It's probably the the best thing you can do for for human health as well as animal health and and actually us humans are worse usually worse about it than horses there are individual horses who are really tough to get them to drink well it's really common in the human world for people not to drink and um, if there's one thing you can do as you age is drink drink water drink water when you get up in the morning drink water before you go to bed and stay hydrated and keep your horse hydrated and everybody will be healthier. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it doesn't look like any, there's any questions. So I think we'll bring this, we'll wrap this up. Um, once again, it's been a really interesting conversation. Learn more about water. You know, it's <laughs> something we take for granted, I think so often and don't really appreciate just how important it is. Thanks. Thanks for coming and go have a glass of water. Yep. And thanks, Joyce. And thanks, everybody. And we'll be back 
tomorrow with another webinar at one o'clock with uh, Lynn Acton about protector leadership. So we'll see you then. Take care. Bye. Bye.